You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on into Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Stahl, writer for USA Today for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. All right, so on yesterday's episode, we did an instant reaction to Kentucky's 107-79 to win over the Tennessee Volunteers. We're going to go through actually breaking down some of the things that happened within the game on today's episode. Going to talk about what happened in the first half, what happened in the second half, and then give some final thoughts to wrap things up. So let's just go ahead and get into it. First half thoughts from the beginning of this game. Initially, it kind of felt like Tennessee was going to to try and implement their pace of play in this game. It's very similar, actually, to the way the Vanderbilt game played out for Kentucky, where you saw both teams try and implement their style of play early, right? Kentucky tried to play with a lot of pace against the Commodores. Then the Commodores slowed it down. They started to pick up some turnovers, get some momentum on the defensive end, and then that led to the, the pace of play slowing down and the game becoming more of a half-court style matchup. With the Volunteers, it kind of began like, like that early. I believe the, the Wildcats started out in a 1-3-1 zone, and then everything was just kind of slow and monotonous on both ends of the floor, and then that, that, that didn't last very long. Very, very quickly, Kentucky started to ramp up the pace. Tennessee had a couple of turnovers, and the Wildcats took it, and they ran in transition. Uh, really, really great day for the Wildcats in terms of playing well in transition. We'll talk about that later on in the show. We're going to go through again like we did yesterday, just kind of look over the, the boxes that need to be checked for the Wildcats to win games this season. I've set parameters. We'll see if they accomplished all four things uh, later on this episode, but the pace of play, I think, was very, very important for Kentucky's win today. Obviously, the Wildcats, one of the faster teams in the country, they really excel whenever they're getting out and they're running and they're looking at different options and different things that they can do while trying to attack the rim relatively quickly. And it was very nice to see Severe Wheeler back on the court. Initially, whenever I recorded the interview with Sean Venzel of Hoops Inside on Thursday, I said that I didn't think that Wheeler was going to be available. Uh, his status was up in the air at that time, and then midway through Friday afternoon, it was announced that Wheeler would, in, in fact, uh, most likely be ready to go, barring some unforeseen, unforeseen wild circumstance. So Wheeler did play, uh, and this is something that we talked about in terms of Comparing and contrasting between Severe Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington, we've talked about them quite a lot recently on this show. Just asking, what do these two point guards do well? I know Ty Ty more of a combo guard, but what do these two guards do well? What do they not do well? And who runs the offense better? And I said that Wheeler was a more of a transition guard, right? And we definitely got to see that out of him in this game. I believe Wheeler finished with 21 points, shot eight of 10 from the floor, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, was was fantastic on the day had eight assists as well uh and uh and three or excuse me two steals uh to go along with that he also knocked down a three uh for for a guy that's only shooting 17 percent on the season pretty great to see that uh but yeah severe wheeler his his return in this game i think was very very important against the volunteers just to have as many ball handlers on the floor as 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 possible that were comfortable and experienced and knew how to play well in the sec 
when we broke down the Volunteers with Sean Venzel on our Friday episode, kind of a preview of that Tennessee-Kentucky matchup, we said one of the big things that Tennessee likes to do that creates offense for them is they like to create turnovers. They get a lot of steals. They're second nationally in steal percentage. They're third in the SEC in steals per game. They are, uh, they're right up there uh, in terms of turnovers forced per game, and I have that number right here in front of me, 18.4 uh, turnovers forced per, per game for the Volunteers. That was eighth nationally nationally heading into this contest it was shocking to see just how even when Kentucky like didn't knock down a shot Kentucky wasn't losing possessions because they were turning the ball over or Tennessee was creating steals right Tennessee was trying to put pressure on Kentucky's guards and Kentucky just handled it they just knocked their shots down they got open looks and Tennessee had no response their three guards, Santiago Vescovi, Kennedy Chandler, and Zakai Ziegler, all did not really have a great day defensively. Oh well, sure. I would say that they I would say that they played hard, but Kentucky was just simply knocking their shots down in the first half. I mean, it was crazy the rate that Kentucky was knocking their shots down. I believe they shot 78%, 79% in the first half, which I believe tied a school record, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and it's hard to beat that. It's hard to beat that, as, and and a lot of it went back to, well, Tennessee just could not handle Kentucky's guards. One of the best defensive teams in the nation could could not apply enough pressure to throw Kentucky out of rhythm. Uh, and, and again, Kentucky just kind of handled it, ran well in transition, and, and they played well. Santiago Vescovi, though, I talked about him just a second, second ago, not playing well. Uh, defensively, I mean, he got a couple of steals, but not not fantastic defensively. Finished with 20 points on the day, was 7 of 10 from the floor, 4 of 6 from 3. And I will say, before we, we kind of move on here, just talking about the game as a whole, Tennessee did not have a bad day offensively. They scored 79 points. They shot 53.4% from the floor uh, and 47.8% from 3. Those are both very good numbers. Uh, they, they just, they got out, they got out shot. They got outshot. If you've ever watched Big 12 football, Big 12 college football, a game like between maybe Baylor and Oklahoma or like Texas Tech and TCU, if you've ever watched one of those mid-2010s matchups, you saw a lot of offense. You saw teams score essentially at will, and at the end of the day, it just kind of came down to which team has the better offense. It was the definition of a shootout. Uh, And in this game, it kind of felt like, you know, it, you, it's really, really hard to stop a team that is just red hot. I mean, if you've, if you've got a team shooting 78% against you, you're probably not going to win. I mean, even if you play as hard as you possibly could on the defensive end, it's going to be very, very difficult to come out with a victory uh, in that matchup. Uh, another note here, just about talking, just talking about steals and turnovers. I believe, I believe uh, Kentucky only had two turnovers in the first half. I might be mistaken. Uh, they did not have a lot of turnovers in the first half. This is a Tennessee team that forces, like I mentioned, almost o- over 18 a game. We'll get to how many Kentucky finished with later on. But, again, just Kentucky's guards playing very, very well in this game. I mentioned Wheeler. I mentioned Ty Ty Washington. How about Kellen Grady, who midway through the first half was kind of the spark for what was just a phenomenal day shooting for the Wildcats. He finished with 16 points, 4 of 7 from downtown, was 5 of 8 from the floor overall on the uh, on the game, had a rebound, had an assist, but he was that guy that kind of sparked the hot shooting. Whenever you knock down a shot, 
and your teammates look to shoot, I mean, it's contagious, right? It, it's kind of it's kind of affects what they're going to do. If the, if the shots are going in for you, the rest of your, team, of your team is going to want to start to put some up as well, and there's going to be a lot of confidence spread around, and I think once Kentucky started to just build some momentum, even the contested looks were going in. Uh, Keon Brooks hit a three. Like I mentioned, Severe Wheeler hit a three at one point in this game. Everybody was getting in on the action, and this is, this is a Kentucky team that does not shoot a lot of threes, but... Man, they were very, very solid on the offensive end, again, against one of the best defenses um, in the entire country. We're going to talk about the second half and what I saw there in just a second. Actually, before we do that, I believe, what was Kentucky up at uh, at the break? I believe they were up 53 to 30, 39, 37. I might be mistaken. And this is something that I tweeted out from the, uh, from the Kentucky uh, Locked On Kentucky Twitter account. It, thir, thir, 52 to 38, yep. This is something that I tweeted out, saying that I don't think that Kentucky basketball is peaking. Um, I don't think that they're peaking. But Kentucky had scored 52 points in one half against the second-best team in the nation in defensive efficiency. There are things that this team can still do better. There are things that this team can still improve on. But it's hard to beat that type of output in one half. And they played even better in the second. They played even better in the second. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Built Bars. The new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it actually tastes good. You'll want to actually eat a Built Bar unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky, waxy, dry, or just plain taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, right? But eventually it just gets really boring. And by like three, week three or four, you might be asking yourself, you know, is this really worth it? You know, where are the things that taste good? Where's all the chocolate? Well, I'm here to tell you that Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars also contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. And you can compare that to a candy bar, which is usually uh, somewhere around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and they've got just dozens and dozens and dozens of net carbs. There's so many different flavors you can choose from as well with Built Bar. You could get coconut almond, you could get salted caramel, you could get cookies and cream, raspberry, peanut butter brownie, mint brownie. They've got so many different flavors. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so you can go to their website, Built.com, to check out what's coming out. You can also go to Built.com right now and use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your first order. Again, just use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, moving along here on the Monday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody that we are free and available on all podcast platforms. All right, second half numbers here for the Wildcats. Let's go over some of the other guys that played well in this game. Davian Mintz, he was number three in our Kentucky player power rankings that we did on Thursday behind Oscar Sheboy and Ty Ty Washington. I said that he was the, the, the third best Wildcat on the roster at the moment. Said he was playing third best. He finished with 10 points, two of three from downtown, four of five from the floor on the day. Had a rebound, had a couple of uh, assists, and only one uh, personal foul. It's really, really solid stuff for Dave, from, uh, from Davian Mintz. 
like we've discussed so many different times on the show, what are you asking from your role players, right? What are you asking them to do? Well, you're not asking them to perform like your starters. That's the reason that your starters are starters. They're good enough to type to try and take over a game or they're, they're, you're, they're the best guys that you can put out there. Your role players, you're just asking them to be efficient and not screw it up and to kind of hold things over before your best play, better players can get back into the game. Now, Davian Mintz, is a he is in a special position because he's been a starter in the SEC. He's played uh, with Kentucky as a starter before, and he's very, very talented. And he's been relegated to the bench, unfortunately, because Ty Ty Washington is now playing for the Wildcats. So he is an is an SEC caliber starter, right? But he's sitting on the bench, and you're asking him now to come off the bench and just be efficient, be efficient with his minutes. The fact that he's performing at the level that he is right now over the, these past few games is phenomenal. It's proving that he is what he is, a former starter that's on the bench that is making the most out of his minutes that he's getting. Uh, and I, I really hope that the hot shooting continues. I don't think he's going to, to continue to shoot over 50, 60% from three uh, over the span of the next 10 games or so. But I love what I'm seeing um, from Kentucky guard Davian Mintz. Jacob Toppin, also another guy that played well in this game, uh, just kind of bodied Zakai Ziegler at one point. That was a highlight in this matchup. And just jumping right over him to get a uh, to get a rebound. I mean, obviously, it's not hard to jump over a five foot nine guard, but still impressive athleticism at different points in this game from Jacob Toppin. Two of three uh, on the day from the floor, made all three of his free throws. Seven points on the night. Again, just really solid numbers from your bench player. Speaking of three free three of three from free uh, the free throw line, Kentucky on the day twenty of twenty one from the free throw line, which is about ninety five percent, and. I don't have making your free throws as one of the parameters to win basketball games in the SEC, but during it should probably be up there. We may be expanding to five parameters here uh, within the next few uh, few games because knocking down 20 of 21 free throws is going to to go a long way. If you or if you're shooting 75 to 80 percent in a close game, which Guess what, guys? We've got three or four games coming up in a row where they're all going to be very, very tight matchups. We talked about that last week. I believe it was on Wednesday or Thursday, just talking about the upcoming matchups for the Wildcats. This was the first. This Tennessee game was the first tough one. They they answered the bell. They've got 15-2 and two Texas A&M in College Station on Wednesday. It might be Tuesday. I'd have to go check, but... They've, uh, they're going to have to continue to answer the bell offensively. And when games get tight, you need those free throws. And I'm really pleased to see that Kentucky has got some rhythm and they're knocking them down right now. Another thing that I thought was interesting in this game, uh, not a lot of rebounds. Obviously, both teams were shooting lights out. And uh, Oscar Shibwe, who we've not mentioned uh, up until this point in the show, uh, only had 12 rebounds. I know, shocker, that's a lot of rebounds for just a, a normal player on a given night. But for a kid that's averaging over 15, 12 was kind of disappointing. Uh, I hate to say that, but still, he had nine points. Oscar Shibway did, shot 50% from the floor, was four of eight. Uh, only had three offensive rebounds, again, shocker. Um, but just talking about rebounds here, I mean, Kentucky had 24, and I believe, or excuse me, 25, and I believe, uh, I believe Tennessee had 24. The fact that Oscar Shibway was a non-factor in a game where Kentucky scored 107 points um, indicates to me, like I said on the in the instant reaction recap, that this team has not hit its peak. 
because the peak for this Kentucky Wildcats team is going to include Oscar Shibway. It's going to be all five starting players, Oscar Shibway, Keon Brooks, Ty Ty Washington, Kellen Grady, and Severe Wheeler, all five of those guys playing at their peak. And then you're getting guys like Mintz and Toppin off the bench. And even guys like uh, guys like Ware, uh, Lance Ware and um, Bryce Hopkins, they are going to be playing well. I believe Hopkins made a three at the end of this game. Just shows you how hot of a night it was. But still, the fact that Oscar Sheebway is not a factor in this game, first of all, it's just shocking. Second of all, again, it points out that this team, I don't believe, has hit its peak. So the question is, when is that peak coming? I don't know. I don't know. We're just going to have to see. We are just going to have to see. Any other notes I want to make here? Oh, turnovers. Turnovers. So, Tennessee was averaging over 10 steals per contest heading into this matchup. Like I mentioned at the very top of the show, third in the SEC in steals per game at 10.6. The Vols finished with five. Five steals. Uh, and that's just, to, that's just to show you no matter how hard Tennessee was playing on the the uh, defensive end, it's not like they weren't trying. The only person that wasn't trying out there was John Fulkerson. Man got out there to, to, to I don't know, have some cardio, have a cardio day, just run up and down the court uh, and essentially do nothing outside of that. He didn't want to play defense. Um, but, but Tennessee looked like they were playing relatively hard, especially in that first half. They were trying to slow it down. They were trying to stop Kentucky, but they came away with five steals and only 12 turnovers. They only got 12 turnovers. And this Kentucky team doesn't try the ball over a lot, but still, I mean, like, wow, this is a really good defensive team in, in Tennessee. They shut down Arizona, and I believe Arizona, if I'm not mistaken, still leads the nation in points per game. Uh, it's not like this is some slouch Tennessee team. We even highlighted that they played seven teams already that are in the top 100 or higher in Ken Palm's offensive efficiency rating, and they held hold those teams on average to under 70 points a contest. How... Kentucky just kind of burst onto the scene with 107 points, again, without Oscar Sheebway, still shocks me. And the fact that the Vols weren't able to create turnovers were just like, wow, wow, this Kentucky team is good. Should be top 15. And you know what that's setting up? You know what that's setting up? If Kentucky beats A&M, and still the poll doesn't come out until next Monday, so A&M could, A&M could beat Kentucky, but still... This is setting up what could potentially be the game of the year between Kentucky and Auburn uh, in Auburn Arena on Saturday. Next Saturday, that is. Or this Saturday, excuse me. That is going to be a thrilling game, and I'm actually probably going to be at it, so I cannot wait for that. Um, but, But just to go back to what we were saying here, I mean, Kentucky has now proven that while their strength of schedule may be weak as all get out while they may uh, have played one of the weakest non-conference schedules I've ever seen um, up until they played North Carolina. I mean, they played North Carolina and Duke uh, and and that was kind of about it. Uh, You can say what you want about Western Kentucky. The fact that they are now playing this well against a top 25 team like Tennessee indicates to me that they are capable of making a really deep run. And we asked the question on the instant recap, who's the best team in the SEC? Is it Auburn? Is it LSU? Is it Kentucky? Uh, And LSU just lost at home to Arkansas uh, right after that recap uh, recording was ended. Uh, I believe that snapped a 13-game winning streak for the Tigers. And uh, there there was some questionable officiating at the end of that game between Arkansas and LSU. Just want to say, that's what y'all get for calling such a poor game against Kentucky at the end of that LSU game. That's what y'all get. Congratulations. Hold your L. 
Um, but I think we're going to get an answer to who's the best team in the SEC next Saturday. I think it's Auburn or Kentucky. We're just going to have to wait and see. Auburn, by the way, uh, was um, getting just pummeled by Ole Miss on Saturday night. Saturday night. I mean, they were just getting pummeled. Ole Miss was playing their best half of basketball that I had seen in a very, very long time. Auburn got Ole Miss's best game on Saturday, and then the Tigers were able to rally. They were able to come back, got some key clutch uh, moments from their center, Walker Kessler. Kessler versus Sheebway is going to be a phenomenal matchup. Uh, so I'm just typing myself up for, that, up for that game at this point. I'm just really excited about that matchup. So those were first and second half takeaways. We're just going to kind of wrap up here uh, some thoughts as we head into the week. Uh, but before we do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march through the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the best uh, sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today uh, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You can just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, boxing, boxing, and uh, hockey, boxing, and you. UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, wrapping up the Monday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Again, really appreciate you guys making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. If you're listening on podcast, would love for you to leave a review. If you're watching on YouTube, leave a like and subscribe. I would really appreciate that as well. So the four boxes, four parameters for the Wildcats that we set on wins were these. Can Kentucky shoot the ball well? Can Kentucky have decent shot selection? Can they play well in transition, both offensively and defensively? And can they protect the rim? In my opinion, three of those four have to happen on a given night for Kentucky to win. But if they can get all four, then it's a surefire victory uh, for the Wildcats. Obviously, the most important thing in this matchup was Kentucky shooting the ball well. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, they were shooting over 78% in the first half. I believe they finished the day shooting 67 68% uh, from the field. Decent shot selection. I said this against uh, Vanderbilt. Well, if you're, if you're shooting at as high of a clip, as Kentucky was in that game and in this game, you're probably having decent shot selection. Not a lot of mid-range shots taken in this game, at least not that I didn't not that I didn't see. Uh, I think overall the shot selection from Kentucky was quite decent. Playing well in transition. Well, I mentioned this on the instant recap, and I'm going to mention it right here. Tennessee had zero fast break points, at least according to ESPN, and Kentucky had 27. That would indicate to me that the Wildcats played very well in transition. That's just me, though. That's just my assessment. Uh, and then protecting the rim. Kentucky only had, I believe, three blocks in this contest. Um, and, and Tennessee still shot over 50%. So not necessarily protecting the rim. Um, but again, whenever you score that many points, it's just kind of like that's an anomaly in and of itself. And so to not see Kentucky get some blocks or make stops to the rim is just kind of like an anomaly in and of itself as well, considering the fact that the Wildcats have played really well uh, protecting the rim this season. So it's kind of kind of a wash there for me. And so, yeah, I think overall, Kentucky checked three of those four boxes, playing well in transition, shooting the ball well, and then having decent shot selection. You can have decent shot selection, just not knock shots down. Uh, the, the, there's a separation there. But, I mean, whenever you're shooting as high of a clip that Kentucky did, you have a decent shot selection. My final score prediction for this game was 76-65. to 65. 
Um, I'm I was about thirty points off for Kentucky. I thought this would be a close game. Thought this would be competitive. Thought it would be fun. Um, unfortunately for the Volunteers, it was not, uh, and they scored almost eighty points. So again, I just kind of want to reiterate what I was talking about last week. Uh, just talking about Kentucky's schedule. So the five-game stretch that we discussed last week was Tennessee, Texas A&M on the road, Auburn on the road, Mississippi State at home, and then at number nine, Kansas. And I said, if Kentucky can go three and two, I would be pleased. Well, they got one win. And so these next four games, again, at Texas A&M, who was 15 and two, at Auburn, who will most likely be ranked number one at that point, uh, at home versus Mississippi State, who uh, just beat a top 25 Alabama team, and then on the road at number nine, Kansas, uh, who lost a week or so ago to Texas Tech, but has then since picked up wins over uh, Iowa State and West Virginia. So those are the matchups that we are looking at. And again, I'm, I'll, I'll sit here and say, if Kentucky can split that two and two, I'm going to be pleased. If they can beat Texas A&M and Mississippi State and they lose to Auburn and Kansas, I'm not going to be mad at that. I'm not going to be mad at that. Those are road games against top 10, borderline top five teams uh, that you're going up against. It's going to be very, very competitive. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. You can follow the show on Twitter at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, shoot them to me on, on uh, any of those platforms. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a good day, and God bless.